Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Gators Breakdown. The Gators Fan Podcast, because there's never a dull moment in Gator Nation. Gators Breakdown, episode 143, is ready to go. I'm your host, David Waters, and you can find me on Twitter, at GatorDave underscore SCC. And joining me this episode, after missing last week, is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at WillMilesSCC, and he's the founder of ReadAndReaction.com, his website there where you can find his Gator analysis in article form. Will, uh, you missed last week, and we had my, Matt Wyatt on, and he, he filled, filled in admirably uh, by sharing his thoughts on Dan Mullen and uh, what he accomplished at Mississippi State uh, and you know his outlook on what can happen at Florida. Well, first we need to clarify. So you didn't show up on Tuesday because that's when we had originally scheduled Correct. things. Yes, yes. So you yes. moved it to Monday, which is why I couldn't make it. But no, well, Matt, did, Matt, Matt, Matt did a great job. Matt moved it to Monday. Well, Matt <laughs> moved it to Monday. But no, he did a great job. It was it was nice to hear the uh, a take from somebody who's watched Mississippi State as closely as he has. I think he confirmed some of the things that we had seen. And then I think there are some areas that he brought up where – um, you know, we're we're also starting to see that here at Florida, and some of them are really, really good signs, and some of them are things that we need to keep an eye on and might be reasons for concern. So um, I, I think a lot of what he said sort of validated some of the things that we've been seeing, and and so we'll see what happens in the fall. It's only only three and a half months till football season, man. Uh, only? <laughs> <laughs> three months till fall camp? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're getting, we're getting thrown out for uh... – Clickbait and uh, and and and, uh, and negative thoughts, but uh, you know that's that's the off season for you. Uh, you know, I we we try to be honest. We've said that before. We try to be honest, and and at the end of the day, you can only uh, you, you can only interpret what you hear and try to try to make sense of it, and that's what we're trying to do. And if Mullen wins games, no one's going to care. Absolutely. Uh, and a quick shout out to uh, Casey Park. Uh, he reached out uh, to me. Uh, last week and told me how much he enjoyed Gators Breakdown. So thank you, Casey, for listening and all you out there uh, for listening to Gators Breakdown. And also a shout out to uh, a lot of the people I met at the players, uh, TPC uh, Sawgrass uh, Golf Tournament this past weekend. Uh, wore the hat, of course, and got noticed. A lot of people saying to listen to the podcast. So that was uh, pretty cool uh, to see people out there uh, in that venue before we start. Remember, you can find all your Gators Breakdown episodes on newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. There you will find all the Gators Breakdown episodes as well as articles from the News for Jack sports team. That's newsforjacks.com slash Gators Breakdown. Also, you can listen on iTunes, Google Play, and YouTube if you want the video version. Follow Gators Breakdown on Twitter and Facebook at 
investigators breakdown. So, Will, um, you put out the, your second article on Joe Burrow, and that was because uh, last week he announced his intentions to to leave Ohio State as a grad transfer. Uh, and I hit on it last week of why I thought he would be a good move for Dan Mullen uh, to bring him in the fold. Most of Gator Nation is also on board with, with bringing him in, but it seems Dan Mullen is not. And if you take his statements about bringing in a grad transfer at face value uh, when he's on his little tour here, uh, then it's pretty clear Dan Mullen is moving forward with the trio uh, Frank, Trask, and Jones. Uh, Cincinnati and LSU are the only two schools uh, Burrow has visited so far. Other schools are interested in Burrow. Uh, Sean Callahan of Husker Online says Burrow will make his third and possible final visit to North Carolina, uh, and that he expects an announcement by possibly the end of the week. Uh, and since we had him on, Will, uh, I reached out to Matt Wyatt uh, again. You know, We had him on Gators Breakdown last week, uh, and I didn't really get to ask him about this topic because it really wasn't set in stone of what Burrow was going to do yet. Uh, so he did respond with this, and it was, quote, while I've never had a conversation with Mullen about the subject, I observed a pattern in his near decade at Mississippi State. He never seemed to be interested in getting into the QB transfer sweepstakes. In my opinion, he appeared to be more interested in, one, developing the guys who had the backbone to be committed to his program, and two, recruiting guys who had the toughness it would take to play for him. I sort of get the impression that he didn't feel he needed a quarterback that couldn't win the job at another school, end quote. Well, that's interesting. I mean, I certainly think it's reflected in the comments that we've heard from Mullen, and and he's he's been true to his word thus far that he's not going to go after a grad transfer. You know, we'll see whether that changes if if Burrow shows some interest. And that's the other thing is that you got to have interest mm-hmm. from both sides. So if Burrow didn't have interest in Florida, there's no reason for Mullen to show any interest in Burrow. And I'm sure that these things are communicated through back channels in terms of who's interested and who's not, because the last thing you want to do is go out and say, "Yeah, I'm pursuing that guy," and then have him say. Hey, no, I don't want to go to your program. So, um, you know, Mullen knows his program better than anybody. I think plenty of people have pointed to the fact that we need to trust him with what he's doing. Um, I, I think he's got a pretty good history with quarterbacks, and I think we can we can trust that in some capacity. The only thing that I would say is that, and this is sort of the crux of the article that I wrote, is that Burrow is not a typical grad transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, last year he broke his wrist in camp, which is why he lost his job to to Dwayne Haskins, and so that's why he was third on the depth chart. You look at how he performed during the spring, at least in the spring game, he performed very, very well. You look at his high school stats, they're just eye-popping, something like, you know, 110 touchdowns or something <laughs> over the last two years he was in high school. I actually had somebody from Ohio reach out to me and say he only played the first half a bunch of those games because his school was so much better than some of the other ones. Now, you know, you can take that as they were better because Burrow was the quarterback, but you can also take that as, you know, they were playing against less, uh, less stout competition than maybe some of the people that some of the other quarterbacks he might go up against. You know, I, I think the transfer angle is an interesting one. I mean, Russell Wilson went from NC State to Wisconsin and was all of a sudden a revelation at Wisconsin. I don't think it was a matter of him not being tough enough, but then again, he was starting in NC State and had sort of a sort of a basketball thing going on or a baseball thing going on there as well. You look at Jarrett Stidham transferring from Baylor and coming into Auburn. He played very well last year. So I think there's a history of guys who are sort of elite recruits. Who Didn't Stidham take a year off? Well, so – I th- it was all embroiled in that Baylor scandal. Yeah, right, I, don't right, remember, yeah. I don't remember exactly what, what happened in that in that uh, in or that. Or he played in junior college or something like that. I forget the exact story, but 
Yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, if you look at somebody like Malik Zaire, you look at somebody like Austin Appleby, um, their statistics in both high school and college before they transferred to Florida indicated that we knew who they were. And Joe Burrow, you look at his high school stats and you say, hey, that guy has a chance to be elite. And there really aren't many college stats to go back on. I mean, the college stats sort of match the high school stats, but it's in mop-up duty. It's like 40 throws. It's not that much. But he didn't do anything to prove to me that he's going to be a flop. And so you look at that and say, well, what do we have in the quarterback room? Is it worth adding somebody? And, you know, the, the toughness of having somebody who, who is willing to stick it out in a program, I mean, I understand that. But if you but if you lost your position to to Haskins, you're never going to play, and so I, I understand why Burrow wants to transfer, and I'm not going to hold that against him. Yeah, um, yeah, and you know, part of it also is because he comes from a similar offense uh, from from Meyer and Mullen, and you know, I don't necessarily take uh, the him uh, not sticking it out, though, you know, because a lot of people, and you know, I've I've asked around, uh, I've been, I'm on the Bill King show, and I've heard Bill have Ohio State people on, and and people from around the country who really think Burrow would be a good fit at Florida, and he'd be a good fit wherever he goes, and um, that he is a good quarterback. He's just caught in a in a bad scenario, and look, you know, it's just the the similar offense that Urban Meyer has. Uh, you know, this isn't. Kind of like what you said. This is the, the same kind of grad transfer. This is a grad transfer from a big time school under a high profile coach uh, that's uh, that is known Urban Meyer to to stockpile talent at the at the quarterback position. And this is you know being that being in this a similar system. I, you know, if if it was me, come in, let him compete because I don't think there uh, would be much of a transition. You know, but but Urban and, and and Mullen are close, I and mean, you know maybe something there. There Mullen doesn't like there uh, after a conversation with with, with Meyer. Maybe uh, you know maybe competition comes into it. Uh, maybe there's something where he doesn't see a, a fit. You know, so I, we don't know. Uh, I also think this could be trying to go back and setting up 2019 uh, in a way in, in Emory Jones. Uh, I'd still take Burrow and, and throw everything at the problem until it's fixed, but. You know, and for 2018, I'd say Burrow. And I said this last week, probably worth about a, a win or two more. Uh, but you know, this can be taken a couple of ways. You know, just looking at the current crop of quarterbacks. You know, does Mullen have confidence in the quarterbacks that he has? Uh, he certainly he's seen more of them uh, and can evaluate the talent much better, but but much better than I can. Uh, and this can also be a scenario where he doesn't want to disrupt the progress and the, and the learning from the spring with the quarterbacks he has. Let the three guys that you went through a whole spring with go through summer offseason and then perhaps they're ready to hit the ground running when, when fall camp starts. So, it, it you know, you have Emory Jones. Do you throw another quarterback in the mix and you have four quarterbacks going through fall camp and, and you're still splitting reps? And, will you, you know, I, I, I was huge against that when – we went through quarterback transfers uh, last year with, with splitting the reps and not deciding who a quarterback is. And you have two weeks before game time and you're, and you're still splitting reps. Uh, but, you know, uh, with Burrow, as I said, I, I would like the two wins in 2018 that I think he's worth. But if Mullen sees something in Embry Jones where he can take over halfway in the 2018 season or maybe even the beginning of it, but I think this could also be a sign where this is more about getting somebody ready for 2019 and that somebody being Emory Jones. Yeah. I'm not upset. He's not going after Burrow. I mean, I, I understand the logic. I understand um, why you would want to go with your own guys. I got to admit, I'm scared to death. He's going to go to LSU. 
I, yeah. I really, I really think he's a good player. You look at LSU's recruiting classes over the last four years; it's like second, third, seventh, and fifteenth, I think. So they've got quite a bit of talent down there. And then you put a guy in there that you think is is borderline elite, and that's what I think of him. Now it may be that I'm wrong. Maybe he goes to LSU and he's a complete flop, and we all laugh, and everybody laughs at me and says, you know, oh, aren't you glad he didn't come to Gainesville? I'm like, yeah, I'm glad I was wrong on that one. But you know, I look at it. I have something about that too. Go ahead. Well, so there's a couple of things. One is that if you look at the main criticisms of Burrow, it's that he's not an explosive runner. I think he's a good runner. He's just not an explosive runner and that he doesn't have a big time arm. But most of the quarterbacks in college who excel don't necessarily have big time arms. They're just accurate. And a lot of times that means reading the defense. And that's what he's he's shown me that he can do if you look at his high school film and even if you look at his limited college film. You can sort of see that he does that, that he makes quick decisions, that he understands the offense, those sorts of things. And that was something that when you looked at the tape on Zaire last year, it became immediately apparent when you were watching him play at Notre Dame that those were things he struggled with. And then there's been some stuff that's come out recently talking about Zaire not necessarily knowing the playbook when he got to Florida, and they still put him in the Michigan game. And so, you know, I can understand the players being a little bit punchy about having a graduate transfer come in based on Mm -hmm. what happened last year, too. And so you don't know what's going on in the locker room, what they've told him. I'm sure that he's got some seniors and and maybe high-level juniors he's talking to about, you know, what went wrong and and what they want to build and that sort of stuff. So, you know, again, I – it's you don't know whether he heard something from Urban Meyer. You don't know whether he heard something from Joe Burrow, who just right. said, "Look, I don't want to go there." Um, and you don't know whether he heard something from somebody like Franks and Trask and Jones, and has made the decision that those guys are good enough to carry the team. We aren't going to know until the fall, and you know, that's part of the fun of it all. But I do think when you look at you know when you looked at the film of Felipe Franks in high school, you could see that he was going to struggle with some of the decision-making and the accuracy. And that's what we saw last year. When you look at Trask, there's really not a whole lot of high school film out there. It seems like he's the one who makes the quick decision, but also, you know, he's never been in a position where there was anybody in the stands who cared when he was playing. And, uh, and so, you know, he's going to have to work his way through that. And then obviously you've got the true freshman in Jones. So, um, Hey, it, Mullen has known what he's done in the past. I think you trust him on the quarterback development. And there's some other things that, <laughs> that maybe you might not. But I think when it comes to the quarterback development, that's something that you just say, hey, this guy knows more about it than I do. And if he sees something in that room that, uh, you know, that, that he thinks is worth pursuing, then, uh, then he should do that. Uh, going back to the LSU thing, here's the thing. I still think Burrow can be a quarterback, and they absolutely ruin him there. <laughs> 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 I'm not a huge Edo fan. I'm not a huge uh, offensive coordinator, Steve Insmeager fan. Uh, you know, he can be good and they can absolutely uh, mess him up for, from, for, from that. Uh, so uh, looking at it that way, uh, I, I think uh, that that could come into play. Uh, but, you know, Florida's not really had the same uh, luck with developing quarterbacks, but uh, of course, Mullen's in here now. So, uh, and one more thing could kind of will, you know, well, I think this could be a spark to get off to a faster start early in this tenure. Uh, if Burrow comes, it doesn't really change my outlook, outlook long-term uh, on Mullen. I still think he's the guy to get this turned around. So maybe 2018, maybe 2019 is a little more successful, but you know, we get into 2020, 2021 uh, and he gets, you know, three, four recruiting cycles, uh, I'm not sure if if the difference is really there or not. Yeah, you know, I mean, optics matter. It really does. And the offense can't look terrible. And if you've got, even if you've got a serviceable quarterback in there who can prevent the offense from looking terrible. I mean, last year before Del Rio got hurt, the offense didn't look 
awful. I mean, it looked way better than it did under Franks or under Zaire. Um, it didn't look awful. And I think if you're able to have sort of that level of play, then, hey, I, I think people look at it and say progress is being made. I don't expect the offense to be bottom 100, but I think anybody who's saying, oh, I think it'll be top 50, that, that's quite a jump. That's not a jump a lot of teams make without changing quarterbacks. And, uh, you know, that's not a development thing. I mean, if you think about, if you think about development, that's usually moving somebody from – you know, that's a quarterback who moves the offense from 50th to 40th or 100th to 90th, not 100th to 50th. I mean, usually that's a transfer you bring in, a new offensive coordinator, that sort of stuff that really makes those jumps. Now, obviously, there is a new offensive coordinator this year, so I do think there will be a jump. I, I think it's wishful thinking to think that the jump's going to be that significant unless Emory Jones just turns out to be an absolute stud. <laughs> and, and that may be true, and maybe Mullen's seeing that. But, you know, I did go back and I looked to see um, – you know, I looked to compare – uh, Burrow to some of the guys who were already in the room, and originally I had had I had had Emory Jones completion percentage up around sixty two percent because I'd gone through and sort of charted some of his games, um, looked through old newspaper clippings to figure out how he played. SEC Country had put out an article that had gotten statistics from his coaches at, at Heard County High School, and he was right around he was below fifty seven percent on a completion percentage basis. So I think there's some work to be done there. I, I think um, you know he certainly got the arm the the arm strength but it but it remains to be seen whether he's got the accuracy that's going to be necessary to really be elite and if you go back and look historically just about every quarterback who's elite has elite completion percentages the only one who hasn't in the last few years is Lamar Jackson and so if if Emory Jones has running ability comparable to Lamar Jackson then you can get away with a slightly lower completion percentage but uh you know that remains to be seen maybe he does have that sort of ability and we'll be able to uh we'll be able to enjoy that in the fall uh, so we'll go in a, back to a couple weeks ago. I never got to share this poll uh, question and poll results here on the show. Um, it was when I, I did put it post two polls that week, and it was take injury out of the question. Will one quarterback start every game for the Gators in 2018? 90% of people said no, but I'll follow that up uh, with another poll. So which quarterback starts more games for the Gators in 2018? And out of 954 votes, 41% says Emory Jones starts more games for the Gators in 2018 than Felipe Franks and Kyle Trask. Uh, Felipe Franks was actually second with 33% and Trask at 26%. So, Will, a lot of people are already on the uh, Emory Jones bandwagon. Well, people have already forgotten the spring game because after the spring game, everybody was saying it needed to be Trask. (laughs) Um, I think it's going to be Trask. The the more I look, um, the more I look at the underlying statistics, the more I look at decision-making, you know, you could tell in that first half and, you know, say what you will about the spring game, but you can, you could tell in that first half that Trask was making quick decisions. The offense slowed down when Felipe Franks came in there. So unless the plan is to take the air out of the ball, slow everything down and have an offense that's really a time possession dominant uh, offense, I, I think you probably go with Trask. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I look at the statistic for Emory Jones and that concerns me a little bit. It doesn't mean he's not going to be good eventually, but it does mean it does indicate that there are some probably some mechanical things. And also there were, you know, one of the things I noted in the film study I did on did on Jones was that there were a ton of rollouts mm-hmm. where they asked him to throw on the run. Now, obviously, that impacts your accuracy because you're always throwing on the run at the same time it becomes a habit that you're going <laughs> to, that you're going to bail out of the pocket and throw on the run. And so, you know, I don't know how much work needs to be done there. And maybe he comes out and Mullen has been able to, uh, 
to get him comfortable in the pocket. And with that, he, he becomes a lot more accurate. That certainly does happen. Um, Nick, Nick Fitzgerald got a whole lot more accurate from high school to college, about 10, 10 percentage yeah. points actually, but he was like 45% in high school. So he was, he was upgrading to 55%. But again, somebody who completes 55 to 57% of their passes and can run for a thousand yards is a pretty significant weapon, especially because it ends up, you know, those, those touchdown runs in the red zone really do start to, I mean, they take away from your quarterback rating because you're not throwing touchdown passes, but at the end of the day, they really make a difference in terms of being able to punch the ball in. Yeah. That's kind of what I'm looking at. You know, if you talk about Frank Trask and actually go back to the spring game as well, and who's going to start uh, at quarterback for 2018, what we didn't get to see a lot of in the spring or hear a lot of so much or, or seeing the spring game itself uh, was a lot of the quarterback runs. So I think that plays into it as well. And while we might see Franks from a Trask, but you know, look, we still, when August rolls around, Florida will be in another quarterback battle and uh, we'll figure it out there. So uh, before we wrap up the whole quarterback and Burrow situation here, I had some uh, tweets to share from our listeners out there. So TJ Shoemaker, Dave, here's my take on Burrow. Best case, he brings Del Rio smarts with more ability, helps Florida challenge for the East, gives Emory time to develop, and has recruits buzzing. Worst case, he forces Frank's trust to elevate their game or else transfer and provides quarterback depth. So uh, pretty interesting uh, part there, Will, and that was another reason I was for Burrow. It doesn't force you to play Emory Jones. Yeah, I mean, it, it's competition. And at the end of the day, if he's the best player in the room and he plays, that's good. And he's got two years of eligibility left, so it's not like he's just coming in for a year. And if he's not the best player in the room, well, it should push. I mean, there were a ton of reports last year. And again, who knows how accurate it was. <laughs> but there were a ton of reports about Franks really stepping up his game once Zaire came in. Now, maybe that was a smokescreen because Zaire was so bad. They just were trying to save face based on, you know, giving Franks that start against Michigan. You know, I don't know. But um, – you know, I'll I'll go back to I'll go back to that completion percentage though. Del Rio looked the best last year. He's the one who had the metrics that said he's probably the best out of the guys who are there to start right now, and he's the one who looked the best. So, yep. Uh, let's see, Craig Feinberg. Uh, I think it's great news that Mullen doesn't seem interested in Burrow. Mullen knows the quarterback position as well as anyone, and it seems as though he believes he can win with Franks, Trask, and Jones. Incinerator. Um, uh, I like to see hard work, loyalty, and upperclassmen rewarded, constantly bringing in self-centered transfers that couldn't win the job elsewhere, only want playing time and don't care about anything else, can't be good for the locker room culture. Uh, and Supreme Doom at Ravenous Doom, uh, if he comes in with all the hype and does not perform up to the fans' expectations, it will absolutely crush the fan base with yet another failed grad transfer and will hurt recruiting big risk. I personally think you take the lows with the highs with that you have in the first year. Yeah, I, I I take a little bit of umbrage to the idea that <laughs> that that somebody's dodging competition or something like that. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that's accurate. I th I think and I and I don't think that somebody coming into a program with two years of eligibility left, it's it's not like the guy's coming in there and is angling to get to the NFL. He's got two years left. And so, you know, if, if you had a junior college guy come in, you wouldn't think that. And he would have two years of eligibility left. So I'm not sure why you think that about a graduate transfer. Um, you know, it's just, it is what it is. I mean, he was behind a couple of people and he wasn't going to get to play. And, 
you know, I, again, I think it's a reasonable decision. I don't think it's dodging anything. I don't think it's gutless. I don't think that it's that it says anything about a person's about a person's makeup or integrity or anything like that. I think the coaches make it like that, but the coaches, you know, if Urban Meyer wants to go coach someplace else next year, he can do it, no problem. And and no one would say anything. And you know, coaches. Well, I, don't know about, I don't know about Meyer now. People would. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but I mean, you know, Taggart goes out goes out to Oregon yes, for correct. a year yeah. and then comes back to Florida State. And nobody says a thing. No one's calling him. No one's saying he has a lack of integrity. Maybe maybe a few Florida fans yeah. are. But you know, the the college football world as a whole is not is not looking at him going, "Well, are we sure we can trust him because right. he he moves around all the time?" I don't understand why it's any different for a guy who can't get playing time somewhere has a better situation someplace else. The only difference is he didn't get a 2 million dollar bump to make the transfer. <laughs> so, yeah, again, and I that that specifically, I don't think is the argument that I would want to hear. The argument I'd want to hear is that the guys we have in the room are better. Yep. Or that bringing somebody in here um, impacts what we have in the room, and we think the guys in the room are going to eventually end up better. But if you think Burrow is going to be better, I think you go after him. But again, Burrow has to want to come to Florida, and there hasn't been any indication that that's the case. Um, but certainly, after breaking down his film, I think he's worth a look. Yeah. About how I feel too. Uh, okay, I'm okay that he's not coming. I would just rather have him here. But as we said, we'll trust Mullen and and let him uh, coach his team up and get get him ready for the 2018 season that we're eagerly awaiting. So, well, well let's send him to North Carolina or Cincinnati. I'm I'm fine with that. Yeah, true, true that. <laughs> and I mean, I will go back and say too. You know, when we brought up Burrow the first time we talked about him, I did say on this podcast from. From what I had heard through through other channels was that he location was going to be a big part uh, in deciding where uh, he goes. So you know, Cincinnati would still being in the Midwest uh, and uh, Luke Fickle uh, having a relationship with him from his time at Ohio State uh, probably will play uh, a part in the decision uh, as well. So, all right, Will, uh, this week on readingreaction.com, you released your latest article titled Dan Mullen's assertion that Gator fans aren't supportive misses the mark. Um, you know, I don't necessarily take the remarks as a shot to the fan base, but but you have a compelling argument in which you say, quote, Mullen doesn't believe that the fans have been pulling their weight supporting the team, uh, end quote, and you go on to extend the message that there is a is support from the fans, but not necessarily from the administration due to lack of spending like other big programs in the country. Yeah, I mean, there's been an underlying sort of there's been an undercurrent in some of his discussions where he talks about the fans coming out and supporting the team without any sort of, without any sort of performance on the field. And, and the quote specifically that sort of got under my skin was he said, what comes first, the team wins and the fans follow or the fans give the support and the team feeds off it. It doesn't happen without the fans being there first. And the implication is, is that the fan, I mean, I, I understand that you can say, well, he's saying the fans have to buy into the program and that's how, that's how things that's how thing. That's how winning happens. But a, that's not true. <laughs> winning happens when a coach brings in elite recruits and gets them to perform on the field. And then the other thing is, is that when you actually look at the attendance profile of Florida, yes, attendance is down, but it is nowhere near as far down as it is at other programs that have gone through similar lulls. I compared Florida to Florida State. Florida State has seen far more significant attendance drops than Florida does. And so, yeah, the energy's down, but every time you play a good team and you score 12 points, the energy in the stadium is going to be down. That's just, that's just kind of what happens. I mean, if you put up 45 against LSU, the place will be rocking and you'll have plenty of people in there. So, um, yeah, I, I just sort of look at it and say the attendance patterns – indicate Florida fans have been supportive. The revenue numbers 
indicate that Florida fans have been supportive and it's linear too. So if you look at, if you look at revenue, it's increased in a linear fashion ever since before Urban Meyer got there, which indicates that Florida fans are not giving more and more money because of a national championship or because of performance for the program. It indicates that Florida fans are just generous to the program. And so I'm not quite sure what the, um, I don't know what the message is. I mean, the fans are supporting the program. And the fans just want the program to win. And, th- and that's, that's where we are. I, I don't know that there, anybody who's a real diehard Florida fan hasn't gone away. We may have turned off the TV when it's 49 to seven Georgia or something <laughs> like that. But, but if it was 14 to seven, we would have had the TV on or we would have been at the game. And, you know, I, I, has the student body been less enthusiastic as four and eight teams have rolled through the swamp? I think that's probably true, but that's sort of the function of any business that if, if you're a business that's supplying a product that doesn't meet expectations, enthusiasm goes down. Yeah. You know, there's even points where Nick Saban has, has called out the Alabama student body for, for leaving games early and stuff. So, you know, that kind of uh, plays into this part too. And you know, that doesn't really talk about the, the lack of, uh, of winning or style of play at Alabama, but uh, you know, I think it's just an inherent problem uh, for college students uh, uh, in, in general. And kind of going back to this, you know, early in this tenure, I think this can make a difference. And, and you know, I took this as a as a reiteration that we need your support. And, you know, we can't do this without you, the fan. Uh, we need this environment and this energy rocking, uh, much like the spring game, asking for support when everything is new. Uh, we'll probably garner more support, but in the end, like it always does, it come down to results for for many people and, and much of the fan base you know I, i'll always watch and support but there are many uh, who want to be entertained at, at the same time and i also think this is partly i think mullen has confident confidence enough in his abilities to basically say that he's going to do his part and now he wants the fans to do their part by continuing to support uh but let's bring it up a level because it has fallen in terms of what it used to be in terms of uh, energy from where it was before you know we all know it you know we i go into the swamp and there are empty seats and uh it's not as loud as it used to be and it's you know florida isn't right and it's going to take a a team effort from the fans and and the team to get it back there and i think that's kind of what he's reinforcing here now i'm not taking it as a as a challenge to, to keep spending money you know florida fan base has no problem doing that but but a challenge up to uh, to to up the ante in making the swamp fun again, making an intimidating place for opponents and, and making it fun for recruits. Yeah, I mean, I understand where people are coming from with that opinion. And I, I, I don't necessarily agree with that interpretation based on some of the quotes I've heard and some of the direct um, you know, when I've when I've listened to the actual speech, it's it's come across to me as you have a job to do as well as I have a job to do. Um, and and you haven't been doing the job. At least that's sort of the implication in terms of what's being said. I guess the thing that the thing that I would say is that you know people who would disagree with me on this would constantly say you need to trust Mullen. And I would say that the, that the other thing holds true as well, that Mullen needs to trust the fans, that the fans have showed up that, you know, that first year for McIlwain, the attendance was the exact same as it was under Meyer. And that old mess game, <laughs> the place was lit, right? But, all, but after your quarterback gets suspended for PEDs and you put up a 27-2 to two shellacking to, to Florida State in the last game, and then you get destroyed in the SEC championship game against Alabama and look out class, like it's not a surprise that enthusiasm or that people would get on the edge of their seat wondering, you know, what's the direction of the program. And to me, I, I would sort of use the analogy that, you know, if you go on a first date with someone or, or let's, let's say you uh, – 
you know, let, let's say you, your high school sweetheart, you go off to college and you decide you're not going to be together, which is sort of Mullen going off to Mississippi State. And then when you get done with college, you get back together. If the first thing they say to you is, you're not going to cheat on me, are you? It's like, mm -hmm. whoa, <laughs> all right. Like, I, I realize there's been time in between here. I realize other stuff has gone on. But, <laughs> but why are you asking that? Like, you know, there's, there's a history here. You know that the Florida fans support the program when things are rocking and you know that they're going to be the most supportive people in the world when, when you're playing well or when you're showing progress. But, um, you know, I just think that again, if, if, if we're being asked to trust Mullen, then Mullen has to trust the fans. And that's sort of it, it, it you know, and, and I think maybe that's kind of where some of my angst with the spring game came in as it was, Hey, come here, support us, support us, support us, support us. And then there wasn't enough trust to show the, uh, to show the fans a uh, product that I thought was really all that great, but you know, whatever it's the off season. People are accusing me of being too sensitive. It's probably true. Um, you know, somebody, <laughs> somebody two weeks ago told me McIlwain PTSD. It's still the same thing. So um, this is not an indication that I think Mullen's doing a poor job. I do think that when you're the face of the university though, you need to, uh, you need to measure your words. And this has been a go-to thing for him at each of these, uh, at each of these, uh, at each of these speeches. And if you look at the amount of money the administration is spending on football, it pales in comparison to Florida state in the two, in the two years that I could find, even though Florida's bringing in almost $30 million a year, more than Florida state in terms of revenue to the athletic department. So it's a good sign to see that they're spending money on some of these facilities, but it's not, it, it's not, it's not matching things. And so, you know, Florida fans have been very generous with their finances. They've been very generous in terms of paying increased ticket prices. And I think in some capacity, um, you know, the, the administration is going to have to continue spending in order to, in order to validate that loyalty. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's funny. You, you say you listen to the quotes and, and you know, it, it's kind of funny that I go back to when Mullen was here in Jacksonville and the vibe that I got was, you know, it kind of pumped me up when he said, we need you there and we need the fans there. So it's kind of funny how, you know, we're, we're taking kind of the same things, but looking at it uh, different different ways. And it, it's kind of funny. That's, that's kind of what I want with this podcast anyway, you know, is to, is to present, uh, you know, uh, opinions on, on both sides of the argument. So uh, I, I find it kind of funny that we see it. Two different ways, anyway. So well, I'm not I'm not mad at you for having a different opinion. Oh, I, no, I know that. Yeah, I hope you're not mad at me for having oh, a different opinion. I, I put an awful lot of work. That's what I want. Into, That's what into, I want. Yeah, I mean, I put an awful lot of work into making sure I had numbers that backed up my point. And the point was that the administration has been pretty cheap in comparison to other programs in the country, both on a percentage basis and also a total dollars basis. Now that is within their rights. If, if they want to spend less money than they bring in, I don't think having a ton of debt is a good idea. And there are other universities. So Florida State's actually one of them who, who runs deficits every once in a while, because if they have a bad season, then the ticket revenue doesn't cover the budget that they had put forward. I don't think that's necessarily a good way to run a program. But I do think that if you're going to solicit funds, if you're going to solicit enthusiasm, if you're going to, if you're going to say we need to build up facilities, well, one of the reasons you're behind on facilities is because you've made these decisions. And I think people deserve to know. But to be fair, that, that was a lot of previous and Jeremy Foley and all that sure. good. 
Yeah. Sure. I mean, you know, but but it's but it's the administration. I mean, the not everybody on the UAA changed. Foley is still there in an emeritus status. Um, many of the same people who make those decisions. I mean, Foley makes some decisions in terms of hiring and firing, and certainly has some uh, has lots of input. But he's not the only one making the financial decisions. And if you look at the profits, the profits for Florida have gone up from three million dollars in two thousand in two thousand five to twenty one million dollars in two thousand seventeen, and so or two thousand sixteen, I guess was the last year I had. So they are holding more and more back. And the question is, what are they going to do with that money um, when it comes in? Because they've raised ticket prices <laughs> and revenue keeps going up. And uh, in well, some you can also get this all new, uh, whole, you know, money from SEC network and all that stuff kicked in. Sure. I mean, but, you know, so again, I don't begrudge them the ability to do that, but I do think it's, uh, I do think to then, to then come out and say, fans, you need to do your job. It's like, okay, we have been, we've been there. And we will continue to be there. And I, and I think a lot of the support, uh, some of the blowback I heard was that it's the negative people. So the people who are, who are constantly negative. And, and look, there are people in any fan base that are going to say things that would make you blush. And you're just like, all right, that's not really a football fan. That's not, you know, so, like people who are going after the players personally on Twitter. People are going after the players' families on Twitter. I mean, that stuff is, is garbage, but I think that happens in just about every fan base. I don't think that's unique to Florida. And I do think that there's a unique, there's a unique relationship between Florida and its fan base right now, based on the fact that we were accused of really being the worst fan base in America by the previous head coach. <laughs> I mean, he he came out and said that members of our fan base were were giving him death threats. Yeah. Now, I mean, you know, he didn't substantiate it, but it doesn't matter once you ring that bell. Like, and and again, maybe that's the framework I'm reading this through. But I mean, you know, I consider the Florida fans the best fans in the country, and here you've got the previous coach saying, "Hey, death threats, death threats, death threats," and so. You know, I, I do think there's a unique relationship between Florida and its fans right now, and and it's a sensitive place. And certainly, you know, maybe I'm on the wrong side of it. I don't know, but uh, but I took it to be, you guys need to step up your game. And even if it's you guys need to provide more energy, it's like we have been providing energy. Score more than two points. Like it's really hard to be an energetic crowd when the score is oh, 27 yeah. to two. It, it just is. And I don't blame students for not wanting to show up to a noon game against Florida state on Thanksgiving weekend to watch a four and six team play. I mean, I, I don't, you know, I, I look at that and say, that's a reasonable reaction to the circumstances. And so anybody who says that, I mean, and I was down there for the Tennessee game and that place right after the hurricane, there were plenty of people who couldn't get up there. But that place was loud. Yeah, um, and you know, it also goes back to just something recent uh, as well. You know, talking about that, you know, Mullen did mention that some players said the spring game Gator Walk was, was one of the best that they've seen. That look, that shouldn't happen at Florida. You know, more people have, have been, or like more people, you know, have been at previous Gator Walks in recent years at, at games. Uh, but there was a different and, and different and more of a positive type of energy uh, with this one at the spring game. You know, and go back to what Mullen said last week, and this is courtesy of uh, SEC Country's Ryan Young, and quote, you know, that's unbelievable that the best Gator Walt they've experienced was during the spring game. That's not right. That's not what this program was built on. That's not the Gators that I know. Uh, Mullen said, uh, the Gators I know, it is sold out. Wild, hardest stadium, toughest atmosphere to play in America. You run out of that tunnel and it's electric. And, and that's what we have to get. And that's what we have to get everything back to. Uh, the surprise, I think, is we've fallen behind a little bit in certain areas. 
Uh, that's when he said that uh, in uh, Fort Lauderdale last week. So whether it be facilities, whether it be crowd support, whether it be just the passion, energy, and excitement I'm used to seeing when I, from when I was here before, you've got to understand for me, um, I'm seeing it back that way. So, well, But that's, that's my point, is they've fallen behind in winning. Yeah, <laughs> that's why the enthusiasm is down. When 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 Dan Mullen was there, they were averaging over eleven wins a year. Since Dan Mullen has left, well, a couple of years after since Will Muschamp took over, they've averaged seven and a half. There's your apathy right there. I mean, if you're planning a trip to go down for the Florida State game at the end of the year, or if you're planning to go down for the South Carolina game towards the end of the year, right now you don't know whether it's going to be. Whether you're going to be watching a three and six team or whether you're going to be watching a seven and one team, you just don't know. But that's funny because you were asking me what game you should come to, and I even told you I said, "Well, if you come to South Carolina, you don't, you know, yeah, you you just don't know what you're playing for at that point." Well, and I think that's where the support and the fans starts to starts to. I think that's where that comes from. Is that is that there's a vocalness of the fan base right now that there's some angst. I mean, myself included. That you look at it and you say, okay, where's recruiting? Huh? Not exactly where I want it to be. Where was recruiting last year? Well, it was, it was pretty. It was pretty good for a transition class. Um, you know, what did the program look like during the spring game? We don't really know. Um, so you know, there hasn't really been. You know, the the early signing period was a win. Signing day was good but not not great and and the spring game i didn't think was all that great but plenty of people did and so you know if you saw that as a win then you probably look at this and say hey he's just challenging the fan base if you saw that as as <laughs> as maybe a misstep then maybe you you take my interpretation i don't really know but i mean if you look at it the reason dan mullen remembers florida as having giant gator walks and a ton of student support and all that sort of stuff it's not the millennials it's not <laughs> it's it's not boosters who have become disengaged it's not you know that we have 3000 channels rather than 300 channels it's not any of that stuff it's that florida was winning games at a clip that made every game interesting and that's why people showed up and you know the days of being able to schedule idaho and texas or and and uh, florida a&m and uab and stuff like that for that game before florida state are probably over there's there's a reason they scheduled that michigan game last year it's because they make a lot more money that way and have a lot more enthusiasm that way and i think if we see that trend continue that'll be a good thing for the program yep and uh, you know one more thing uh you know you were saying we're we're, we're people were, were happy with what they saw throughout since Mullen's been hired. You know, I, you know, I do think, you know, most of, most of the spring tour, uh, I think has, has helped, has helped Mullen and uh, how his engagement with the fans and has helped, you know, we talk about, we're talking about energy here, uh, has kind of helped the energy, uh, of the program. So, uh, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm kind of glad, you know, the way you saw your view and, and was able to, to expound on it because like I said, that's what, that's what we want here. And, uh, we saw it two ways, but, uh, uh, I think uh, we can, we can, we can share both ways, and people can be happy out there about it. Yeah, I mean, the issue is, is that I'm not alone. This isn't like I, I'm not. Oh the no, only you have plenty. Of, you have plenty of support on message boards and, and, and social media. Yeah, so I mean, there there are other people who feel the way I do. So it's not like it's an unreasonable opinion, which means that when you're being paid six million dollars to be the to be the CEO of a program, the message can be controlled in a way where it doesn't rub people the wrong way, <clears> and uh, you know. Maybe it's a messaging thing, and if that's the case, that's fine. And you know, I, I whatever. Again, if they win eleven games a year, I'm not going to care. <laughs> 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 I 
<laughs> like, which is exactly what happened during Urban Meyer's spree. Because when he was when he was winning games, nobody cared about the arrests. Nobody cared about the stuff that was going on off the field. And and that's the reality: is that fans want to see winning football. Fans want to see a good product on the field. Fans want to see 45, 50 points a game. And if that stuff happens, no one's going to remember what was said. But you know, you go back to the things like the Clarabelle comments that everybody thought were really humorous when McElwain made them the first time. At least I, you know, whatever. Hey, he's got he's got pretty good confidence. <laughs> and then and then when Clarabelle would have been a better option at quarterback a couple of those times, it became a big problem, right? It was a perception problem. And and inevitably, um, you know, one of the things that I said in the article was that you know you get people who are so emotionally invested in the program who can't not come because they love the university and they want to see it do well, but the university isn't putting resources into the program. They keep raising prices. It's not a surprise that a portion of the fan base gets more vocal because that's the only recourse they have because they're not going to stop coming because it's like a familial thing. I mean, you know how many people went to Gators games with their father? I mean, I'm one of those people who goes to Florida games with his dad and I'm somebody who's taken his daughter to a game and she had a great time and wants to go back. And, you know, it becomes a familial thing where, you know, you want to be able to go and experience the same things you experience. Now, that does not mean that you don't support a four and eight team, but I do think that it means that, um, you know, there needs to be a realization with, with the head coach and with the program that, that, um, you know, progress is probably going to like, just like with the recruits, like we've been saying, you know, one of the big things to my recruiting article was that they need to see it on the field before the recruits are going to commit. The same concept really applies to the fans. I mean, you're going to need to see it on the field before you really commit and buy into everything that's going on. And and I actually think that's less true with the fans because I think the first three games are going to be sold out. And then, you know, you've got Mississippi State and then I guess one more and then they'll be coming and uh, then they'll be coming back to the swamp to play LSU. If they're five and oh or four and one coming back to play LSU, I mean, that place is going to be as loud as you've heard it in a decade. And, you know, that's just a function of winning games. Yeah, you know, and we, we talked about, and I brought it up before, especially when he was hired and going into spring practice, you know, it's a clean slate, clean slate for everybody, clean slate for, for the players, uh, for the quarterbacks that have struggled, uh, and kind of going here, like it's a clean slate for Mullen uh, and getting this team turned around. It's a clean slate for the fans. Yes, it's been ugly for a few years now, but we have a new coach coming in. Uh, he's getting people excited, so fans can get excited. Uh, you know, support can be there. A clean slate for you know Scott Strickland's been on the job uh, not too long, a couple years now, uh, and he's teamed up with with Mullen now. So there's a clean slate for for the admin now to to start getting uh, things turned around, and you know the football facilities being built along with the new baseball field and softball field. So th- you know things are, are are turning around. You know the the mess from years of neglect for facilities is getting turned around. Uh, plans are, plans are in place. It seems like Mullen has a plan in place. Hopefully, you know, fans are making plans in place to, to get to the games and support the team uh, like, like they have, but can support uh, a better product. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, talking about clean slate for players going in, I think it's a clean slate for the whole program, fans and and, and the football program and administration in and of itself. Sure. Well, I mean, I'll be there. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> my dad and I are in conversations about what game we're going to go to. I don't know. I might have to wear like a fake mustache or something, <laughs> <laughs> but we're, but we're going to go to the games because we love the university. And I, and I think that's something that I need to make sure that's clear is that, is that you can be critical because you love something and you want to see it succeed. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, the, the, the criticism hopefully helps, 
people form an opinion that then helps make everything better. And so if the opinion you form from the, uh, from the article that I wrote is that the university needs to be, or that fans need to be diligent to make sure that the university knows that they want money spent on the football program, that's fine. If you say, hey, I trust these people and I'm glad that Florida wins in every sport and has an athletic program that's the envy of just about everybody in the country, but they're not going to invest in the football program, that's fine too. But you should at least take a look at the numbers and see what that looks like and and understand where the money's going and, and what they've done over the last 10 or 15 years. And you can get that information from pretty much anywhere, but I tried to collate it in a place in the site. So, um, you know, like I said, I'll be there next year. I'm going to be there the year after that. I'm going to be there the year after that until they kick me out and won't let me in. But, uh, <laughs> But you know, the, the other thing is, clean slate means zero. Yep. It does. Not, it does not mean endlessly parroting back the the company line. And you know, did I misinterpret this? Possibly. Um, but I think there's an undercurrent there, and you know, I, I I think it's worth pointing out. And certainly, a lot of people felt the way I did, and so um, those people deserve a voice too. Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, Will and talking about uh, we're talking. Um trying to get the program back on uh, on the right track. Florida has this uh, big recruiting weekend uh, on tap, the Gator Grill Out, and uh, a lot of you know big-time names uh, will be rolling into to Gainesville, first one of its kind, the Gator Grill Out. Dan Mullen's bringing that uh, uh, there, so something new uh, for, for recruits uh, and Gator fans to get excited about. But some really, really, really big visitors uh, coming in uh, to Gainesville. You have Tyreek Stevenson, um, yeah, a lot of people – Starting to feel good about him, uh, maybe trying to start his, you know, his his uh, the coach's relationship with him, trying to get him into the fold. Uh, Nathan Pickering, uh, Lloyd Summerall, uh, I know a lot of people feel good about him. The, the four-star defensive end linebacker there, uh, commit Tyron Harper is going to be uh, on campus as well. Uh, look, you know, a lot of three, four-star uh, guys are still waiting. Official word from like Trey Sanders, the five-star running back, see if they can get him back on campus uh, from IMG there. Uh, but, you know, this is something new that I really like Dan Mullen's doing here is is giving a, another event for all these recruits to get together. Look, we'll have Friday Night Lights again come come July. But this was kind of something surprising. I, look, this was supposed to be kept low-key for a little while. <laughs> I, I, told you, I told you a bill about it a couple weeks ago. I was like, hey, we can't really say much. But then just a couple of few days later, there's articles being written about it everywhere else. I was like, okay, I guess the cat's out of the bag. Uh, we were supposed to keep this quiet, but the recruits uh, didn't get that message. <laughs> I guess not. That's, that's where I started coming from. So, uh, you know, it, it's going to be uh, a event, uh, you know, there won't be media coverage of it or anything like that. And hopefully just have bad weather uh, through uh, the state of Florida this week, but hopefully it kind of, you know, sh- shies away uh, from Gainesville on the Saturday. So a lot of these recruits uh, and, and the coaches can get to know each other a little bit better. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, Bill Sykes, one of our contributors was saying on Twitter today that, you know, because of the no contact period coming up in July, um, this is really the last opportunity or one of the last opportunities to have a significant amount of face time between for Mullen and these players until, until Friday night lights. And so I do think it's a significant thing. I think anything different is good. I think, you know, we look at the last staff's recruiting and obviously that, that was, uh, that was below the Gator standard and, and Mullins talked a lot about raising that. And I think this is part of that and anything inventive is good. You know, one of the things I know people hate Jim Harbaugh, especially at Florida, 
but all the things he did that irked all the other coaches were just because he was looking for an edge. And, you know, you go down and you practice in Florida so you can practice with all the recruits you're trying to pull out of the state. Hey, that's creative and it's within the rules. So again, I would say anything different, anything creative, anything that builds an environment that's what Mullen wants to build. Hey, I think that's a great thing. And, and I would say we probably need to temper expectations. There's been a lot written about recruiting some of my, some of my own site. But at the end of the day, a lot of these guys have sort of said they're not going to they're not going to say where they're going till October, November, yeah. December. So it's entirely possible there's five, six, seven, eight, nine guys who will end up as Gators. I don't know that we should expect that many people to actually pop and commit. No, I'm, I'm expecting I'm, I'm expecting 20 commits by Monday. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll let you write the article for the site, then, buddy. But, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, I, I think we should temper expectations. I think it's it's a process. It's building relationships. It's it's bringing these guys in and making sure they're comfortable with the program, all that sort of stuff. And you know, like I wrote a few weeks ago, I don't think it's time to panic about recruiting. I do think we need to see progress. The visitor list they have here is a sign of progress. It's not, you know, it's not the be all end all. A lot of these guys need to end up at Florida, but we won't really know that until November, December, January. And we're just gonna have to be okay with that. So, um, you know, you're not going to see any sort of scathing indictment out of me the Tuesday after the barbecue, <laughs> <laughs> you know, talking about how nobody committed. Cause that's not my expectation. My expectation is, is that maybe one guy commits. If you got two, you'd be like, Hey, that was a really successful thing. I think more than anything, it's building relationships, both with the coaching staff and the players, but also between the players, because then you can see those guys as your teammates and say, hey, that's a place I want to go, because I already know, you know, you have a comfort level with the people that you're going to be playing with. Uh, Jim McElwain's barbecue sauce will not be there. <laughs> I, do not think. I have to confirm that. I got to say, I'm a little bit disappointed I never got to try it. Like I assumed I had a whole nother year to try it and then, it was, uh, <laughs> and then it was cut off relatively quickly. So I don't know. Is Are, are they selling it up in, uh, up in Michigan this year? Oh, I don't know. Uh, it's got a little bit of a fish flavor to it, but uh. <laughs> well, it, it would make sense to uh, it, it. It makes sense if it's really terrible because barbecue up in Michigan is <laughs> awful. So <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I'll share Bill's Bill's thoughts on that. Bill Sykes, you know, he joins us here on Gators breakdown. Uh, every now and then, but he said three reasons uh, this cookout's uh, important, and kind of will you hit mention on that too? But he said reason one, you know, July first through twenty fourth, two thousand eighteen is an NCAA dead period, so meeting no face to face contact is permitted with recruits. Uh, that's a problem for Friday Night Lights type of events during uh, July. So you know, Florida will probably have its uh, Friday Night Lights late July. Uh, with the addition of an early, this is reason number two, with the addition of an early signing period last year, the recruiting timetable has advanced across the board. An earlier premier event is a great response. And reason three, uh, the list of expected visitors is impressive and heavy on blue chip talent. Putting your top prospects together at such an event is a great way to let them talk about wearing orange and blue together. Yeah, I mean, I think, again, anything different is good. Anything where you get those kinds of elite level guys talking to each other about coming to Florida, about changing the culture, about sort of seeing what Gainesville has to offer, all those sorts of things. I mean, you know, I, I lived there for four and a half years of my life. I love that place. And so I can't understand why anyone would go there and not want to play football there. But uh, <laughs> but giving people the opportunity is uh, to, to see it and see the teammates and all that sort of stuff, I think, is is a great idea. So, you know, this is this is one place where I think uh, it's a real win for for the staff. Um, for all the guys behind the scenes who are setting up these sorts of events, I think it's a real win. Um, I don't know whether he did this type of stuff up at Mississippi State, but if this is a new event, I uh, I applaud it because I think this is a really good step. 
Absolutely, and uh, for this, we'll uh, have Blake Alderman on next week uh, to review the Gator Grill out and, and give an update on recruiting. That'll be the big topic uh, with that going on this this coming up weekend. Uh, so I've already reached out to Blake, and uh, he's agreed uh, to join and, and talk to us about uh, this uh, Gator Grill out, the first of its kind in Gainesville. Oh, man, we'll, we'll have to get a review of the food. Is, is Blake going to be there? I don't think I don't think media is allowed to this thing, so – Oh man, we'll have to like creep in the bushes or something to figure out <laughs> figure out what's going on. <laughs> I think a lot of people are wondering where where it's going to happen if it does rain or whatever. So you know they do have this nice indoor practice facility. I'm sure they can fit everything in. <laughs> I think I think they'll be all right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. You know, we, uh, we down here in the in the south, we're we're used to grilling when, when the thunderstorms are rolling in. Well, I mean, based on the weather today in Philly, I am too. So. Uh, <laughs> It it is it has been uh, it has been rainy up here. I'm ready for the summer. That's for sure. Yeah, it's May, and we're already having tropical depression and storm talk here in Florida. I mean, come on, it, it can't be starting already. <laughs> well, as long, hey, maybe it'll come early this year, so we'll actually have all of our games. Like, just get them, get them all over with in August, so that by the yeah. time September comes around, the games can be played. Yeah, that's a good thought. Maybe 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 that's what will happen. So. Uh. <laughs> Uh, well, what you're working on uh, for next readingreaction.com article? So I got a couple of things in the works. I'm not sure exactly what's going to publish next. I'm I'm looking at Jalen Jones, um, you know, the four-star recruit who's coming in in next year's recruiting class, sort of breaking down some of his high school film, some of the statistics I can find there. And then I'm also looking at Dan Mullen's offense and uh, trying to figure out exactly what you can do with the quarterbacks that Florida has on the roster, what people should be looking for in that first and second game in terms of things that would indicate success for a quarterback who's in, who's in the system. So, um, you know, those are going to come up in the next couple of weeks, unless something pops up that needs, that needs immediate reaction. But those, those are the things I'm working on right now. And that's what you can expect coming forward. Yeah. And I guess what I'll go ahead and let people know a podcast too, of what, what we kind of guess coming up there. You mentioned your articles there. Uh, so we'll definitely talk about those. Uh, like I said, recruiting next week with, with Blake Alderman from this uh, Gator grill out. Uh, then preseason magazines will be kind of coming out, Will. So, you know, we'll kind of break those down. And uh, my favorite part of those are the, the anonymous coaches uh, talking about the other coaches. So we'll get to see uh, what uh, I'm sure a lot of SEC coaches think about Dan Mullen moving from Mississippi State to Florida. Uh, and I'm sure there'll be uh, – sometimes you get positives and negatives out of those. So it'd be interesting to, to really see what, the, what, the, what his fellow uh, comrades think about him moving uh, to Florida and his outlook there. Uh, and also I know you and I have kind of talked about the scene, talk about the scenes, but I really want to get into uh, the explosiveness uh, of Dan Mullen's offense and how it fits into uh, and a successful offense under him. So, you know, of course, uh, yards per carry, pass, um, you know, uh, average yards per pass, uh, first quarter scoring, all that good stuff, and uh, what we can look for in a successful offense under Dan Mullen. Yeah, man, I look forward to it. So certainly anything that makes the time go a little bit quicker until we get to the fall <laughs> is uh, is a welcome thing. So, so the magazines are always fun. You're right. And, you know, hopefully they just didn't interview McIlwain for the Mullen section. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> it's anonymous. They can go go for whoever they want. That is true. That is true. Uh, that is Will Miles. You can find him on Twitter at Will Miles SCC and find his articles at readandreaction.com. Will, anything else before we sign off here? No, nah, man. Just thanks, everybody, for the feedback. Thanks for the interaction on Twitter. I know I've been a little bit MIA recently because my real job's taking some attention away. But uh, I am reading your comments if I hadn't had a chance to respond, and uh, hopefully I'll get the chance to do that in the next day or so. Sounds good. Uh, I'm David Waters, the host of Gators Breakdown. You can find me on Twitter at GatorDave underscore SCC. 
guys and girls that are. Thanks for listening to this episode of Gators Breakdown.